0: This is The Faithful Expositor, a podcast from the preaching and teaching ministry of Pastor Jonathan Sims of Shelbyville Mills Baptist Church.
1: Welcome to another edition of The Faithful Expositor. I am your host, Brother Joe Carpenter, and today I'm here in the studio at Shelbyville Mills Baptist Church with Brother John O. Sims. Brother, how are you today on this beautiful spring
0: day? Thanks, Joe. I'm doing great, brother. You always ask me, and how are you doing today? Man, I'm
1: doing really good. good.
0: Had a great week last week. Good
1: weekend. We got back from arch, or an archery tournament in Louisville. Boys shot really good, so we're here at home and glad to be here. It was Amen. such a wonderful thing to be in the house of the Lord yesterday. Amen. Yesterday for us was Graduate Sunday, and so we had the privilege of seeing, was it 25 graduates? Well, we
0: had eight high school grads and 12 um college graduates. So we had a total of 20 yeah. that graduated yesterday.
1: And a good message preached from one, Psalm chapter 119, just right. challenging those men and women. Yeah. So thank you for that. Amen. It, it was challenging to me. I got home and talked to my wife and my children about it as well, and uh, certainly were challenged by everything that we heard there. But uh, well, today we want to talk about, I guess you could call this a bit of a follow-up to what we talked about the last time, with regards to the church split that you experienced here at Shelbyville Mills. But today we wanted to kind of talk about something under the heading of illegitimate splits. Uh, these are splits that are not necessary, splits that shouldn't happen uh, within the church family. And uh, we've talked a lot about, sometimes church splits uh, occur over preferences and different nuances, and, uh, but sometimes there are things that the pastor can do uh, that can actually, almost like in the case of a father to his child, provoke that child unto wrath. Yeah, And that's kind of the subject that we wanted to talk about today. Uh, I know that you have a lot of time, and we talked about that this morning, about you have a lot of time where you get to share and counsel and pastor, or excuse me, and counsel pastors uh, who were going through certain things. And so I guess you probably see this a little bit more than, than others, uh, whereas a pastor, maybe he's young and he's Sometimes we can be a little brash, and uh, sometimes things even concerning our own personality can really rub people the wrong way. And so I know you've given a lot of warnings about that in the past. Speak about some of those things that maybe you've seen in the
0: past. I think the first thing would be that you're very wise to want to do this podcast today as a follow-up on the one we did on our church split yeah. to bring a balance and i appreciate you suggesting that to me last week about there are illegitimate church splits and things that happen that <clears throat> maybe could be stopped or controlled and so i think it's very wise to to speak to that what i would say is that i do speak to a lot of pastors and i'm thankful that i have you know 3 plus decades now of pastoring a church I've always wanted to help brothers I love pastors I it's the great joy of my heart I don't want to bottle up the things that the Lord's taught me I I want to maybe save a brother from making some of the mistakes I made mm. and I think that's part of the heart and the spirit of why we do what we do mm-hmm. and so I love to talk to pastors and share with them hopefully some of the wisdom God's given me and the experiences experiences that he's led me through. Mm -hmm. And just as a general statement, and we can go wherever, I know this is, we don't have anything written down, but typical church splits don't happen over doctrine. Now, I know that there are some that reach a doctrinal boiling point, but that's the exception in my experience. Mm -hmm. Most guys that call me up are in trouble over personality issues and
1: Mm
0: -hmm. ways they said things and ways they did things. And typically this happens in the life of the young pastor that's just getting started. And um, Satan takes some of the things that he says and some of the things that he does in his inexperience and immaturity. And Satan's able to take that and, you know, cause a, faction, a schism, fan the flames, and yeah. before long you got this massive brush fire that's just blazing out of control and all too often it it costs the young guy his church or it splits the congregation, you know. Yeah. So that would just be a general overarching statement that yeah. there's so much to be said about early on, you know, having some wisdom and I think it needs to be said that every young pastor needs an older pastor Man, that's, so that's been through the fire, mm-hmm. that he can pick up the phone and call, go sit down with, um, and ask him questions, and you know not keep reinventing the wheel, yeah. but learn from the brother that's been further down the road than he has. Yeah, that's true. And like you said, a lot of us made a lot of
1: rookie mistakes, I guess you could call it that, right. too, when we come in. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's important— maybe to even have that brother, that mentor uh, that can kind of help you to know there are some hills on which to die. Right. And then there are some hills that you don't need to die on.
0: And I think the mistake and the danger of every young pastor is that everything's a hill to die on. Yeah, They, they think that everything's major. Everything's a 10 everything's worth going to war over. And mm-hmm. the truth is it's just not. Yeah. Um, the, the, the greatest counsel I think I could give to a brother that's in his first church or he's young in the ministry would be, um, I wouldn't do anything the first several years of my ministry Mm -hmm. except preach the word. Mm -hmm. Um, I would go in and just take a book of the Bible, preach through it verse by verse, word by word. And in the course of doing that, pray that God would cause the people to fall in love with the word of God. Yeah. I would consistently and constantly hold before the congregation biblical authority. Yeah, that's big. That the Bible is our you know, our operating instructions here, we're going to be regulated and ruled by the rule of Scripture, I would talk about the authority of Scripture, I would talk about the inspiration of Scripture, Mm -hmm. I would talk about the inerrancy of Scripture, and I would spend a lot of time talking about the sufficiency of Scripture and how we apply the truth that we learn to our lives and to living. Mm -hmm. And I would want to have it thoroughly established in the minds of the people that the Bible is the Word of God and that it's the sole source of authority for this church to function and operate because once that's established then you can begin to show them okay we need this needs to be changed to be in line with the bible yeah this needs to be changed to be in line with the scriptures and it then it's not so much an issue of them following you as it is them following the word of god mm-hmm. it takes a long time to establish trust in the people mm-hmm. to be willing to follow you and i can understand that yeah i'm a look before i leap kind yeah. of guy yeah and I want to make sure that you're worthy of my following you before I just, you know, blindly jump in. And the way you're going to get my respect is to show me that the Bible is the word of God. So help walk me through that a little bit then. I'm the, I'm a young pastor
1: and I've come into a a church uh, fresh out of seminary. Yeah. Excited to be there. Full of new ideas. Yeah, buddy. Uh probably in my head just like it was in my experience. I probably had a lot of pride needed yep. to be needed to be squashed too. But I'm coming in too. And, you know, we talk about just preaching the word and just um, establishing biblical authority. And what does that look like then for me is when I come in and the church says, well, we need you to chair this committee and we need you to sit on this one and we need, we're going to have a deacons meeting next week. We need you to be a part of that. And we need you to come in and uh, we're going to be ordaining a new uh, music minister next week or something to that effect. How does that, all that kind of start to, thing, start
0: to flesh out then before you? You know, when Joshua led the children of Israel across the Jordan River, they first went to Jericho, mm-hmm. then they went to Ai, hmm. ran into some trouble there, then they went to Gibeon, but they didn't try to tackle all three of those cities at one time. Mm-hmm. Um when a person's sick, we don't do a lung transplant, a heart transplant, and a kidney transplant all in one surgery. Mm. Few patients would survive that. Mm-hmm. And most of our churches are sick. Yeah, They're just sick, and they, they need multiple operations. But you can't give them every operation at one time. Yeah. So you might have to do some undesirable things up yeah. front that later on down the road— now after 22 and a half years here, I don't have to sit on every committee. Yeah, I don't have to be in every meeting. Mm-hmm. But early on, I did. Early on, they needed me to be there. And some churches have those things written into their bylaws. And, you know, you are not at the place to where you're ready to change the bylaws. And so I would encourage you to you know without violating your family mm-hmm. without violating your commitment to study and your commitment to the word of god that early on you may have to do some of those things because you understand the greater wars you'll be fighting on down the road yeah. and not get tripped up on those little skirmishes there mm-hmm. you have to choose your battles wisely yeah and you know you're going to need to fight much more important battles than sitting in on a deacons meeting or a finance mm. committee meeting. that That's a good example, brother, of just not getting engaged at war mm. in a needless battle. Yeah, um, You can do some of those things early on. It's not sin. You're not yeah. compromising to help establish biblical authority, get some tenure under your belt, get some time under your belt. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't want to be legalistic here, but Man, I I would think that you would want to spend several years, five years plus of doing nothing, Mm -hmm. changing nothing, Mm -hmm. but just simply going to that pulpit week in, week out, full of the Holy Spirit under the anointing of God and preaching that text with all authority. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the things you'll notice is this, I say all the time, Spirit-filled expository preaching is church discipline. Mm -hmm. Trust me, if you preach the word and the power of the Spirit from the pulpit, you'll have all the trouble you can handle. Yeah, if you do nothing else, true. That's where I would rather the battle be: Mm -hmm. is let people get upset over the word, let them leave the church because they don't agree with the word, rather than some little piddling committee thing. You know, yeah. Um, Let it be about the word. Mm -hmm. So preach the word that it. Adds to the church what needs to be added and takes away what needs to be taken away. Mm-hmm. But so many preachers get tripped up on little secondary things, and they'll tell me that I'm fighting a, I'm fighting a battle over, you know, the curtains. I'm fighting a battle over whether we leave the door open to the uh, back part of the sanctuary or not, or mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, the Lord's supper table. You know, sure. preachers have gotten in trouble moving the Lord's Supper table. For heaven's sakes, man, that's just not worth fighting over right. in the early years of your ministry. Um, keep it about the Word yeah. and establish biblical authority and spend all your chips there early on. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't establish biblical authority, you're going to have a superficial ministry all of your life.
1: I remember one of the things, too, that you did that helped me out uh, when I would first met you, and I had did the same thing. I was seeking out a, a pastor who could... Uh, Mentor me and talk to me before I ever came here. And one of the things that you said to me too early on was uh, to be able to start really investing in some of those key leaders that are in the church. Describe how some of that played out for you then when you came to Shelbyville Mills. I mean, I understand obviously it was almost you were a wartime pastor, right? And and it was probably hard to even find who are those men who were with me and who were who you know who who were going to actually be able to stand firm. How did you begin then to Uh, start to kind of invest in those guys.
0: Well, you know, I have guys ask me that all the time. I had a conversation with a pastor about that just this past week that I didn't know very well. And he was talking to me about how he was going to begin to meet with this key guy and one day a week, and then he was going to meet with this key guy the next day of the week and so forth and so on. And I guess that's good. I just never did that. Yeah, I never did that. Um, I believe the chief disciple-making tool is the pulpit. Amen. And I only have so much energy with five children. I only have so much time doing three expositions a week, which is what I was doing when I came here. And now with you helping me, I'm down to two. Um, And all of the things that you see at Shelbyville Mills that we enjoy now did not come through me having a Saturday meeting. Mm-hmm. They didn't come with me spending Monday afternoon with two brothers that I was grooming to be elders or whatever. Everything in this church came through me going to the pulpit week in, week out, and preaching the next text in the power of the Spirit. Amen. And I th- I believe that's all you have to do. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that a guy shouldn't do some of that, but I just didn't do it. I, I never did that. Mm-hmm. And I just preach the Word, and the Holy Spirit used the Word of God from the pulpit. And I've learned from Jeff M- Noblet to even be more intentional yeah. about addressing even structural things and fine-tune issues that need to be fixed in the church from the pulpit rather than having 27 committee meetings. Right, know? right. Uh, not to contradict what I said earlier, because it takes time to get to that point. Yeah. But— um. I didn't do that, Brother Joe. I, mm-hmm. I just didn't have those extra special days and meetings because I didn't have time. Yeah, I found that to give myself to the text required the lion's share of my time, and then to be the kind of daddy, uh, the kind of husband that I was called to be, required the remainder of my time. And That's good. I did all the other things other pastors do. You know, you have weddings, you have funerals, you mm-hmm. have hospital visits, and all those things. But... Um, I believe you make your case from the pulpit, mm-hmm. and this might be a segue to another thing, mm-hmm. um, not trying to jump ahead of you because I think all of these go together. But every year at the True Church Conference, and I love it, it's it's a joy, uh, I'll have pastors pull me off to the side and they'll say, can I speak to you for a moment? And I showed you this morning where this year I think I've responded to, what, 30 30 of such phone calls mm-hmm. uh, and glad to do that of pastors that have called me up. And each one of those are probably hour, an hour and a half long mm-hmm. um, counseling session that I've had with them on the phone. And if I combined the men at the true church conference that pulled me off to the side with those 30, 35 plus men that I've talked with on the phone this year, I would say the overwhelming vast majority of them, I'm thinking 90% upwards of them have said something like this: I'm in my first church. Mm-hmm. I went in. I was convinced I needed elders. Yeah, and I immediately chose four elders, five elders, whatever, however many. And now we're polarized. They're against me. I can't get anything done. Mm-hmm. Everything's bottlenecked. Um, that my hands are tied. I, I can't do anything. Yeah, and. They want to say something like, you know, when Paul passed through all the cities, he appointed elders in every city. Mm. My first response to be, You're not Paul. Right. (laughs) You're not an apostle. You're a young seminary graduate, a young pastor. And my my warning would be to anybody listening, you don't have the wisdom and you don't have the tenure Mm -hmm. and you don't have the knowledge and the time under your belt to go in and appoint elders, the very first thing, right? That's almost always a place where Satan gets involved yeah. and gets a stranglehold on the church. You know, we hear about all these Baptist churches with churches with their quote, deacon boards <laughs> that have the churches shut down and strangle held. Well, the same thing happens with a young pastor who in his zeal to be biblically correct. And I give him an A for zeal but goes and chooses a, quote, elder board that he hasn't had sufficient time to look at them and watch them and to know their lives and to find out about their qualifications and their commitment to Christ and to look at their history and and how they've led and how are they leading their families. Mm -hmm. And that would just be maybe a little dovetailing with what I said earlier about in your early years, I just don't think you possess the knowledge and the wisdom to make major decisions like that. Maybe not even the credibility yet. No. And that's why I think you need the maturity and the brothers around you need the maturity. Mm -hmm. And so, brother, I would encourage you go to the pulpit Mm -hmm. and stake your case there. Spend the best of your chips and the best of your energies and your mental capacities and your studies in being ready to preach the word of God on Sunday. Mm Mm-hmm. And this might free a brother up and give him some liberty. Look, if in the first five plus years of your ministry, that's all you do, that's probably all you're going to have time to do. Mm-hmm. And it's probably all you're going to need to do. Mm-hmm. And if you try to move forward in structure mm-hmm. that's out in front of the biblical foundation you've laid, mm-hmm. it's going to blow up. Mm-hmm. So focus your energies and your efforts on building a strong biblical foundation. And then we'll talk about deacons and elders and some of these other you know, structural things that need to be looked at. And if you, let's say, if you're coming into a, a church, you're
1: the the new pastor there, and you're maybe, you're seeing, you're, number one, you're concerned about, like what we've talked about, those boards of deacons who, quote-unquote, rule churches, or you're very convicted on plurality of elders. Do you recommend preaching, then, on those 1 Timothy 3 texts and those, you know, those texts that kind of deal with those issues,
0: biblical qualifications of deacons and things like that? yes although the warning that i would give is is that i can be wrong and Mm -hmm. i don't always have the wisdom and that's why i always pray Mm -hmm. and you know i believe in the active ministry of the holy spirit in our lives and our ministries and and i trust his leadership and one of the things that i do is pray and ask the lord lord what book would you have me preach? You know this church better than I do. You know what they need better than I do. I can think they need something and and it be out of season. Hmm. What You know this congregation. Lord, I'm going to pray. I'm going to search your word. I'm going to read through the Bible. I'm going to read through the New Testament. I'm going to read through my Bible. And I want you to show me what book this church needs to hear first amen and the lord's always brought a book to my heart and my mind and it's never been wrong it's always been exactly what the great physician ordered Hmm. and by preaching that book that's in season what the lord knows the church needs so many peripheral things happen there's so many other things that he addresses and speaks to and you know there's no perfect world and Satan can get involved and churches can go south even if the pastor does everything right mm-hmm. i want to be clear on that mm. but during this time you know it it endears your people to you they mm. they love you because you're preaching the word and it establishes a trust and and an understanding among them that you know he cares about us. He's trying to shepherd us. He's trying to lead us with the Word of God. And God's elect are there. Mm-hmm. The people that God chose before the foundation of the world, He has His elect there, mm-hmm. and the elect of God are always going to respond to sheep food. Yeah, they're always going to respond to the Word of God, and the goats are going to hate it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why I say expository preaching is church discipline. Yeah, the first several years here, the church was so unhealthy. And so uh, frayed and had so many schisms, I didn't have any authority to make any strong structural changes. Mm-hmm. Nobody was following me. Nobody was listening to those ideas. Mm-hmm. And all I did was preach the word. And what it did is it she- it separated the wheat from the tares. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'm not smart enough to do that. Like Jesus said, I'll pull wheat up thinking I'm pulling tares up. <laughs> but just by preaching the word of God, it separated the goats and the sheep. Mm-hmm. And really, our our entire division here came not because I made some great structural change to Sunday school or shut down the WMU or, you know, did some bonehead thing that guys do in their early years. All I did was preach the word. Mm. And, brother, the word divided us. Mm -hmm. Now, that's a division you need. Yeah. When the word divides you it's for good reason. it is you can live with that yeah. but I, I just wouldn't want to go, to go to bed at night thinking the church divided because I did something stupid.
1: right and that's not, that's kind of one of the things I wanted to talk about too. sometimes that happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got the young pastor that's coming in. sometimes he's uh, there's pride, there's arrogance. Uh, I've been trained, I have been called. Uh, and so at times they'll do the opposite of what Peter says, and they'll actually lord it over the church. And yeah. they'll th- my way is the highway. I've got these wonderful ideas. I see all of these issues that are going on, whether it be WMU or I see, you know, there's unqualified leaders. And so they'll just come in and start
0: turning over tables. There's a new sheriff in town. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. What would you say to that young, that young guy? I'm uh, not going to say much to him because he's not teachable. When I run into a guy like that, if, if he doesn't show me some humility and some teachability, I'm, I'm, I'm done. Yeah. Uh, most guys like that, you know, there's not much you can do because they know it all. Mm. Know it all is the worst thing you can be. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you said about in your example, the young seminarian who says to the church, I'm called and I'm trained. I'd stop him right there. Mm. And I'd say, now, I'm not going to question your call, brother. That's between you and the Lord. But I'm going to tell you right up front, you're not trained. Mm. Seminary doesn't train you. If Amen. you're pointing to seminary as your training, then you didn't get any.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, you got some theological instruction. You learned some vocabulary, and you learned a few Greek words, but you've not been trained. Yeah. And I don't know of a guy that comes out of past uh, seminary that's trained to be a pastor. Right. Not in this day. Uh, and so I would say to him, No, you're called. Uh, praise the Lord. But you've got a long way to go before you're trained. And you need to be patient. And you got to keep in mind that there's a lot of people out there in that church that know more than you know. Yeah. And there's a lot of people, even if, even if they're not deeply spiritual, they're older than you and they have more life experiences than you do. Mm-hmm. And the one thing nobody likes is a know-it-all. Yeah. That's one thing nobody likes. If you want to make a lot of enemies out of just good, common, ordinary people, go in as a know-it-all. <laughs> and so I, I would just say that a guy needs to be humble. He needs to be teachable. He needs a mentor. Mm-hmm. And you know, back to that conversation you and I had about you telling me to reach out to an older pastor that you needed that. And I think I warned you then make sure it's the right one. Yeah. Just because a guy's an older guy doesn't mean that he's the one you need to be talking to. Mm-hmm. Find a guy that, yeah, that has that's your elder, but find a guy that's done it. Mm-hmm. Find a guy that's paid the price to see a church be a biblically healthy church and That's paid the price to institute church discipline and Mm -hmm. expository preaching and standards for leadership and direct world missions and small group, every member ministry. And he's paid the price for those things. And his church is built upon the New Testament. That's Mm -hmm. the guy you want to spend time with. Mm -hmm. But just because you come out of seminary and you've got all these uh, ideas and you say, quote, I'm trained, that's it's a train wreck. (laughs) Uh, You know, that's what it's going to end up being. Yeah. Um, and so the worst thing a, a pastor can do is is be prideful, arrogant, know it all, and not himself be a learner. How can that young pastor know then? Too, there's we can
1: talk maybe a little bit the difference between the majors and the minors. How can he be able to differentiate? You know, is this the hill on which to die, or what's the? You know, what do I need to really be? And you've already said obviously preaching of the word of God. That's everything. Uh, how then does he know when something arises? Is this the thing? Is this the one? Is this the issue? Is this the one that's going to uh, th- that I've got to I've got to take a stand here on, or
0: j- call, or, bro- or overlook it? Call <laughs> Brother Jeff. Yeah. Call Derek Milton. Yeah. Call Jason Johns. You know, call Chris Shepherd. Um, give me a call. Yeah. You're going to call it wrong. You, you're going to. Major on the minors. You're going to die on an insignificant molehill. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're probably going to use inflammatory language, yeah. throw out a bunch of verbiage that you can't back up, yeah. that just incites people and makes people want to fight. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just a formula for disaster. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to call an older brother and say, hey, I'm thinking about this. I'm getting some pushback. What do you think? Mm-hmm. And probably more than most times, I'm going to say that's not the battle you need to be fighting right now. Mm. But there are times I had a brother call me up recently, and it was an issue where I said, you have to stand. You can't compromise. Mm. You cannot give on this. This is a biblical issue. Mm. This has to do with the authority and the uh, inspiration of the holy scriptures. And you can't give on this. This has to do with your calling and, you know, your responsibility to preach the word. Yeah let me just say for the record, I still do that. Yeah. I'll call up brother Don Singleton. I'll call up brother Jeff Noblett. I frequently call Derek Melton. I sat down with you and Ryan today, Mm -hmm. did I not? Yeah. And asked y'all a question. I said, I'm, you know, not very many men I can ask, but I'm going to ask the two elders that serve with me. And y'all gave me your honest counsel, I believe unbiased. Mm -hmm. And so, You know, in a multitude of counselors, there's safety. By wise counsel, you will make your war. Mm -hmm. You don't just fly by the seat of your pants, and you don't just do stuff off the cuff. More preachers get into trouble over that kind of thing than anything. Mm -hmm. So you need to search the scriptures, you need to pray, and you need godly counsel from older seasoned brothers, and you need to listen to them. So many guys call me up for counsel, and they Mm -hmm. have no intent at all to do what I've told him to do now i'll be the first to admit i'm not an apostle sure i'm just your brother i'm a pastor i i can't mandate anything to you but why do you call me for counsel if you're not going to heed it right counsels to be Mm heeded. and if i'm going to take the time and hopefully give you scripture to back it up and explain to you what my experiences were is it not a wise thing to learn from that yeah and to to learn from the examples that have been laid out before you, so many young guys get into trouble because they just won't listen, yeah, they think they already know what's right, and they're they're hell bent on doing it, yeah, and you know what it ends up becoming a major eruption in the church. Mm-hmm. Those are needless, pointless types of church divisions and splits, yeah, and these are some of those those
1: personality issues, yes that that pastor brings into the church that just because he's not teachable and because he's not humble and because he's not listening
0: it can actually it can it can split a church wide open i think it would be safe to say that there's more problems in a man's ministry early on and hopefully he learns from this but it could be so easily fixed over personality <laughs> over just there's some guys brother that can say good morning to you and make you want to fight (laughs) just the way they say it and their tone and the look on their face and their body language. Sometimes I just think, man, how in the world did you make it to the pastorate? And I, I have dealt with guys before that maybe it's, maybe you can't just, you know, have an ironclad waterproof case of telling them that in essence, what they're saying is wrong. Mm. But man, the way they say it—yeah—and huffing and puffing, and you know, shrugging of the shoulders and the frown on the face, and just the posturing—you uh, know, just just the tone, the mm. tone in which they say things. Sheep pick up on that—the lovelessness yeah. and the heartlessness. My wife explained to me a situation that I can't tell the story on for fear of those that might be listening and figure it out. But she just told me about one morning getting five kids ready for church and uh, had had a major disciplinary issue with one of our children on the way in. And this is a direct quote from Kayla. She said, I fought hell to get to church that day. Yeah. And she said, I walked through the door, and I was met by a brother in the church that looked at me and made a comment, something to the degree of, well, better late than never. And mm-hmm. she said, I'll be honest with you. I just wanted to turn around and go home. Yeah. I just wanted to walk out. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to throw my hands up and quit. Mm-hmm. And you think about a sister in the church, and maybe she walks in, and maybe she is a few minutes late or whatever, but you have no idea you know, where she's been. Would common sense... And I'd be afraid Mama Bear would claw my eyes out. I mean, (laughs) common sense would tell you that's not a path you want to tread down. Mm -hmm. But when you regularly and consistently do that kind of thing with people and you just got a a tone about you that's abrasive and uh, you're harsh and you just uh, there's not any love in it. And you don't come across too many young pastors see people as commodities, yes. as an end to their means. Yeah. And they don't realize that this person is a living soul. Yes, And they've got a family and they've got children and they've got financial pressures and they've got scheduling issues. And we ought to be rejoicing that they even made it through the door of the church, Yes, absolutely. You know, rather than sitting there with a the billy club to
1: and that's just one example. Or how about this? You see the poor sister coming up. Maybe give her a hand. Open the door. Help Absolutely. her out with the child. You know, what? something like that. We had
0: a guy in our church in Alabama, Talladega, and he just kind of his ministry. Hmm. And he waited at the front door for us. And when we pulled in with five kids, he came out with an umbrella if it was hmm. raining. And if not, he came out and he would take two kids in his arms. I'd have two and Caleb have one yeah. I mean, you know and there yeah. you go with five <laughs> and he would take them into sunday school and greet us and welcome us and it just makes all the difference in the world yeah uh, i i would just say to a pastor man double check your motive yes double check your heart yeah go back and read the church at ephesus and make sure that you're not just focusing on being correct mm. but that you really do love people yeah and that you really do care smile a little yeah. shake some hands hug some necks be affectionate, let mm-hmm. people know that you love them mm-hmm. and that you care about them. Yeah. That goes a long way. It really does. Even when
1: you've got somebody who's had a hard week and maybe they're angry or bitter towards something, just a nice hug around the neck or a yep. hospitality, hey, how are you yep. doing, can go a long way. Yeah, You've always tried to impress upon Ryan and I, and in fact the entire staff, that we are in, quote-unquote, the people business. Yes. That uh, people are not an obstacle. They're not an, uh, uh, what's the word? They're not uh, intruding. Commodities. Yeah, Yeah. they're not commodities. And they're not, uh, 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 for lack of a better word, it's not that they're, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for here? That they're bothering you at yeah, the time. Yeah, an inconvenience. An or inconvenience. Yeah. That's what I was trying to say, uh, but instead they are the goal. They are the ministry, and uh, it really does. F- it it it's a matter of what your view of of the
0: church is. I'm a shepherd. God called me a shepherd sheep. Yeah, and and that's why I'm here. And uh, you know, I t- I get tired. I get very weary too. But I try to make eye c- eye contact. I I try to genuinely love people from my heart. Mm. I, I ask God to help me with that all the time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, 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 here's the way I am. Man, if if I know you love me, if I know you love me and you care about me, I'll let you saw my arm and my leg off. <laughs> but, man, if I think you are manipulating me, if I think I'm just yeah. a piece in your puzzle, if, I, if I'm if i just one chink in your arm or one, one notch in your belt to get what you want, I, I, brother, I, I'm out. Yeah. Uh, and and some people bless their hearts that's the kind of pastor they have yeah he's got his agenda he's got his you know pre-recorded sound bites he's just going to fling out everywhere he goes mm. and mm. and he just doesn't see people for people mm. and he wonders why he's having such a tough time and he's the problem yeah and, and more more than often he's he's he is his own worst enemy sheep won't follow nope yeah yeah uh, the, Jesus talks about the sheep knowing his voice yeah there's a reason they know his voice because he says to a woman caught in adultery, neither do I condemn you. Yeah. You know uh, where are your accusers, you know, and uh, he, he, Jesus speaks with compassion and grace. And he also says, go forth and sin no more. Hmm. But, but there's, there's just a look in his face. Uh, There's, there's a way he carries himself that says to the sinner, you know, I love you. Mm. and you're welcome, and I'm going to help you. Mm-hmm. And it's not compromise, and it's not jelly bean spine. It's <laughs> I'm going to tell you the truth, but, you know, there's a way to, to tell the truth. And here's the way the Bible says it. Speak the truth in love. Yeah, You know, it's not all salt in the wound. Mm-hmm. It's not all, you know, ripping and tearing. Mm. Sometimes it's a skilled surgeon sewing up a, an mm. open flesh wound. Mm-hmm. And God give a pastor the wisdom to know the difference uh, and not just be a bull in a china shop all the time. Yeah. I think that's why most guys get into trouble. They're just oblivious to what's going on around them.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of truth to the old saying, people don't really care how much you know until they know how much you care. There's some truth in it. There really no is. doubt about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, these are just some of the kind of the glaring issues that uh, we've seen in the past when it comes to what we would call illegitimate church splits. Right. Have you seen, is there anything else before we kind of start to
0: maybe put a bow on this and tie it up? Man, forgive me, uh, I'm brain dead on Monday. You know, it is been, Monday. It's been it has been a very, very busy week. I was talking about it this morning from being in Oklahoma mm-hmm. to being in Mississippi. You come back Easter, mm-hmm. Mother's Day, graduation Sunday. Amen. Preached a very difficult text last night, Daniel's vision of seventy weeks. Which by the way, I still believe is
1: worthy of a podcast. Amen. And I would encourage anybody to go back and to listen to that message. Where Amen, you brother. took
0: us from Daniel. Gave us the outline there. Wonderful. Wonderfully, yeah. And all the way up to four youth camp messages that I'm studying on now, down to my last one, but I still got to do one on the love of God and the wrath of God.
1: Well, those are lighthearted. Those
0: will be easy, right? (laughs) Yeah. So we're studying the attributes of God using A.W. Pink's book as the backdrop for youth camp. So there's not been a lot of downtime for me. Mm Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and you're weary. Mm -hmm. Um, But in those times, I asked God to fill me with the Spirit. And yesterday, I I tried to not let my weariness uh, make me ignore sheep as I walked past them. Yeah. But to bring it back to what you asked me, really not anything else comes to mind, um, anything glaring. I know we could talk about a million things. But I think the main thing for me, and I see the wisdom in, you know, you're recommending this, (laughs) was just to bring balance to what we said In our last podcast, there are legitimate splits and there are legitimate reasons for a church to divide. And sometimes God does that beyond our control. And for our best laid efforts, it still happens because the Lord knows what's oil and water. He knows what's wheat and tares. He knows what sheep and goats and the Lord Jesus knows where to divide the Mm -hmm. congregation so that it can be his church and it can grow. But it's just sad to me that a lot of churches divide over silly stuff that can be laid at the feet of the pastor. Yeah. And that's why we wanted to discuss this, because he's just being harsh and yeah. rude and abrasive mm-hmm. and bombastic in his tone and... A know-it-all. A know-it-all <laughs> and and prideful, as yeah. you said, mm. and, hey, just old-fashioned arrogant. Yeah. I got to be honest with you, and maybe this is the last thing I'll say. I know me. Yeah. And I know my wife. Yeah, I couldn't sit under a pastor like that. Right, Amen. I couldn't do it. Amen. I just couldn't do it, brother. Yeah. I know me, and I, I'm a very give. I try to be a very forgiving person. I mm-hmm. try to give brothers the benefit of the doubt. But man, if 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 every time I come into your presence, you're just mercilessly harpooning me, mm-hmm. and there's never any encouragement, any love. You know, I, I man, yeah. who has
1: time for that? Exactly. And these are things that I've seen you walk out. I don't ever watch you walk into a room where people in the congregation are at, where your face doesn't just light up when you see them, you're hugging necks, you're getting down on the level of children and speaking to them. Uh, And another brother who uh, did this was at one point, David Brown did this. uh, uh, I saw him he had a really good bedside manner with folks that are in the hospital too and I say that because I saw him do that with my wife Amen. who doesn't like it when people come visit her in sure, the hospital sure. but but it was uh, it, it was because he had th- there was a temperament to to that and if we go in just kind of like a bull in a china shop yeah. and we've got that abrasive temperament
0: then the sheep aren't going to want to listen to you or be around you that's right that's right <laughs> let alone follow you i would just again st- you know tell a brother to pray and be filled with the spirit and have mentors and ask your wife honest questions she'll tell you that's right ask her how am i coming across she'll tell you she will she'll be honest with you and seek out older pastors that have been further down the road from you and uh in those early years don't make any major decisions without first running it by an older brother amen and do what he says. Yeah, that'll save you a world of trouble. Amen, brother. Well, thank you again
1: for uh, spending some time dealing with this this difficult subject uh, of and when we get into illegitimate church splits. Again, if uh, for any of our listeners, if you have any questions for us or comments, please let us know. Drop us an email. Uh, my email address is www. Uh, excuse me, Brojo at smbconline. And I'll just sign off by saying once again, we love you and appreciate you.
0: Thank you for listening to the Faithful Expositor. For more information on Brother John O's ministry, go to our church website, smbconline.com, and follow him on Twitter at John Sims.